Welcome to Long Live the Music, a podcast from It's All Dead, made by music fans for music fans. I'm Kyle Hawk. Welcome to Long Live the Music. I'm Kyle Hawk, uh, editor-in-chief at itsalldead.com, and uh, it is a cold, wintry November night here uh, in, in Indianapolis. We, we made the drop from... 70 degree weather to 30 degree weather almost overnight just in time for me to set out in my cold driveway on Halloween and give out candy to people that weren't coming by because it was too damn cold but uh here I am now uh it's a podcast and I am joined by my my longtime pal the uh co-founder of it's all dead Kyle Schultz Kyle you've been traveling all over the goddamn world you <laughs> look like you're sitting in front of the world's most majestic bookcase. Um, thank you for taking time to do the podcast. It's good to see Absolutely. you. I uh, technically flew in first class once this year, so I'm technically above the people. That, that's one time <laughs> more than I have, my friend. I, I got to ask you how that was later. Um, no, I, this is great. Um, it's been a while since the two of us did a podcast, and we're doing one tonight because... Uh, it was the first week in November in 2013, 10 years ago, that It's All Dead went live. Um, we started this thing. And um, it's funny because I feel like we just did the five-year anniversary not that long ago. But I, 10 years has blinked by. Um, and, uh, you know, paying respects to 2013, I've done very little to prepare for this conversation today because in those <laughs> early days, the podcast kind of was the two of us just pressing record and talking. Um, and that's what we're going to do tonight. My first note is 10 years. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Is it is it weird to think that we started this 10 years ago? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. It's uh, What's strange to me, too, is it coincides with uh, my 10-year anniversary being in Chicago. Like, yeah. They left in the summer of 2013, got up here... Um, had just started writing uh, my writing career, um, kind of freelancing for video game websites for a while. And then that was going terribly and I needed something to kind of boost my writing resume. And uh, you wanted to start the website and that kind of uh, saved me. <laughs> well, it's, you know, we've talked about it before. It was kind of a way for us to maintain this friendship that we'd built while living you know, in different cities. We met here in Indianapolis. You made the move to Chicago. And in a way, it was kind of covertly like, hey, I can keep Kyle to have to keep talking to me because he's <laughs> doing this website. And uh, it's maintained a friendship, you know, 10 years now, which has been awesome. Um, not to say that you're only my friend because you do. It's all dead. But certainly it, it made it a lot easier to, you know, continue to be in regular conversation. And, and here we are. Um, you know, and it goes, I, you know, I would be remiss not to mention that, you know, I guess I, I was thinking back, like when we started this, I didn't have a timeline in my head of like, oh, what will this look like 10 years from now? That was nowhere near anything <laughs> that was on my mind. Uh, back when we started, it was more like, can we get to the next week? <laughs> you know, what, <laughs> what can we write? Because, uh, you know, we started with nothing and we had to build out the content that became what this website was and what the podcast was. So it was just a continual grind of getting stuff out there. And looking back on 10 years, not only do I think about, you know, how our friendship has grown during that time, but I think about 
you know, in, in 2017, when a stranger from Rhode Island reached out via email and introduced herself and said that uh, she was interested in helping us out, Nadia Alves, who if you listen to the show, you're obviously very familiar with, and, you know, she's become one of my greatest friends. So it's like this website, you know, we've got all the, you know, metrics about the people that have come to visit, the social media engagements, the podcast downloads, all this stuff that, you know, in your head kind of tells you, was it a success or not? But to me, the most successful thing was just that I came out of this with like more friends than I had when I started. And I was talking about this on another podcast recently, but it's kind of cool. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way about it or what you think about these days when you think about it's all dead. But to me, like, even if the community was smaller than we maybe imagined early on, I think the tightness that we've had has been a really precious thing. Yeah, no, that's been fantastic. And uh, it was so weird because like Nadia joined and we've had great conversations with her. She's been an amazing writer and uh, I'm not as close, but uh, like, it's just, it's really cool to see that it affected some, like we reached someone who was inspired to um, kind of hop on the journey as well. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just, I regret the fact I haven't been able to write as much as I used to. Um, like I said, like 10 years ago, I hadn't even started my writing career yet. I uh, knew what I wanted to do. I was essentially just dreaming, moving to Chicago and hoping for the best. And um, I essentially used It's All Dead as a writing portfolio and presented that to uh, companies when I was applying for jobs. And it got me my career. I... Uh, 10 years later, I make a living as a writer and an editor. Yeah. I mean, look, none of us write as much as we used to. <laughs> so, uh, no, no shame in that. It's, it's interesting how I, one of the things I remember about when we started, um, and we were putting up new content every day, um, in those early years, um, the podcast was kind of just an extra arm that we had. And at the time we started, it was like, Oh, once a month we'll record a podcast and, Kyle and I will talk about something dumb and we'll put it out there. But there was a tipping point that happened probably around 2017, 2018, where the podcast suddenly became more the central uh, deliverer of content and the more robust content vehicle than the actual website itself. So that's that was kind of interesting as well. And obviously what podcasts look like in 2013 versus what they look like now, there's a big change, right? So um, yeah. I'm, I'm really glad that we started it back then, but I'm also glad that we had the ability to kind of pivot um, just as people were changing how they were consuming content. And um, that's, that's kind of been a fascinating thing, but um, gosh, you know, all the people, you know, if you're listening, thank you. All the people that, have come to the website, left your comments, the comment section, some of the articles I still look back at because it's so funny uh, to read them. People are passionate about music and it's always been cool that people would come and, and share their thoughts with us. The people that, you know, comment on our social media posts and vote on our polls and all this stuff. I'm still like, can't believe that like we were just like, hey, let's, we're going to write about music that we like. And it just so happened that there were other people out there that actually also cared about the same stuff we did and wanted to be having the same conversations we had. That's probably like the most surreal thing about it to me. Um, and I remember vividly the third day our website was live, I had gone and covered a Taking Back Sunday show in which uh, Spencer Chamberlain from Under Oath was filling in as lead vocalist because uh, Adam's wife had just had a baby. 
and we, you know, I put this piece together about kind of how the, the community of the scene rallies together to support each other and put that post out and taking back Sunday, shared it like on every single social media channel they had. And we had this flood of thousands of visitors to the website and it just kind of like kicked off this thing. Um, was that a thing that you ever thought about? Cause I, I know I would always tell you like there were certain bands, Kyle, when you wrote about them, I knew that like, it was going to get picked up somewhere. I knew it was going to get shared in other forums. Like AFI was a band. It always felt like every time you wrote about AFI, there were all these other AFI blogs that were sharing the post and people were talking about it. Um, uh, Saves the Day was another band like that. Yeah. You, um, did Was that ever anything that went through your mind as you wrote stuff, as you did stuff that like, there's people out there that are going to read this. They're waiting for something like this to come along and it's going to, they're going to have a reaction to it. How much of that was on your mind as you were doing this? Uh, honestly, that's never been anything I thought about. It was always just, I wanted to cover something that interested me. Um, what caught me off guard was the small moments when it's just like, Oh, someone knows who I am. Like um, one of my <laughs> favorite bands, lucky boys confusion in Chicago. Uh, mm-hmm. I haven't covered them for a while, but for a while, for a hot minute, I was writing something every couple months about them and uh the band knew who i was i have no evidence about this but i maintain that i uh cover them so much they wrote a new album for the first time in 10 years and uh it felt nice to be a part of that um you know we got to reach out to them i got to talk to them in an interview it was great or like moments where um i went to see justin pierre of motion city soundtrack on his first solo tour and just did a small review of the show. And uh, I think it was like the first or second night he performed uh, at all, like just on his own. And he retweeted the article as like, spoiler alerts. Um, And I was like, oh my God, he saw me. (laughs) Yeah. Not not only uh, tweeting the article, but kind of getting a conversation going that day on Twitter about the whole thing, which was really cool. But yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, like all the different bands that we've had a chance to talk to that have come on the podcast that have talked to us for the website. I mean, Under Oath, Mayday Parade, The Word Alive, Silverstein, Sayosin. Uh, I mean, I could just like go on and on and on. But to think that like we started this thing and then, you know, it we got to a point where it was a, a thing for us to be able to have conversations with these artists that meant a lot to us. And I always felt like because we came at this from such a unique perspective and that we set our own rules about what we wanted the tone of this website to be, what we wanted to talk about, that it gave us a really unique angle when we had those artist interactions and we got to talk to those bands because we were asking questions that they weren't getting when they were doing their normal media cycle. And um, I don't know how many times that I would have someone say to me like, wow, this was like a really cool interview. I'm not used to getting asked questions like this. And like that to me was kind of the heart about what, what we were trying to do here is um, have these conversations from a fan perspective, but also hold a really nuanced point of view as we um, talk through all of this. So, I mean, I always thought that was um, kind of a cool thing about it's all dead, not to puff ourselves up or anything, but I I do think that it, it set us apart a little bit. Um, One of the things I have down here, what's changed the most in the music scene that we follow from 2013 to now. And there's so much, like I was literally thinking, I almost, if I had time, I would have made a list. Like literally bands we cover have broken up and gotten back together (laughs) in the span of time. So like we've written articles of like, Oh, so long band that we love so much. And those bands are back again. You know what I mean? Like um, that's, that's kind of crazy to think about, but 
Um, I don't know. Is there anything off the top of your head that you feel like, wow, this is like way different than it was 10 years ago when we were first doing this? Not too much. Um, I, I feel like at least our, uh, you know, subculture of music, it goes in kind of a cyclical pattern. Um, like when we first started, the Wonder Years were just like hitting their stride. Like the Greatest Generation came out just a few months before we started. Um, and, you know, they were a big band, but like they hadn't quite launched the way they have now um yet uh blink 22 was not a thing anymore <laughs> like right. it's just it it's weird to think like we started it kind of at the beginning of um like the positive portion of pop punk where there was a lot of uh attempt to kind of like get away from the depressing songs and write something much more uh uplifting and I feel like that wave's kind of come and gone a little bit. Easy core is no longer a thing. Um, yeah, it, it's just, it's interesting to kind of, it feels like we've fallen back to what the scene kind of felt like um, in like 2006 or 2007. Um, it just, there's a lot of new blood in there that uh, it's interesting again to look through and find all these bands that just, they're up and coming, they're working, uh, and they're a part of the scene that are much more hidden than um, I feel like they may have been uh, when we kind of initially began. Yeah, for sure. The The couple of things that jump out to me, you know, 2013 going in was kind of like the beginning of the end of sort of the Warp Tour subculture, and that festival as a whole and it felt like and i remember writing about this a lot with some of these bands it was like how much longer does this scene have before it's kind of like you know not on the tip of anyone's tongue before its relevancy is passed and we kind of saw that happen there was sort of an ebb and flow where it felt like it was about to tail off but with the evaporation of warp tour came all these new things like sad summer festival when we were young tiktok which is like turned some of these like pierce the veil i learned from nadia recently is like become huge again like literally because of tiktok we talked about bad omens earlier this year like the way that the scene has managed to morph and change as culture has changed and the way people are consuming music has changed has been really amazing to watch and now it's become less of a like there's the nostalgia of it but there's still an excitement because it's like not just the old bands playing old old hits it's some of those bands making new music it's new bands that we hadn't heard of that were inspired before that are now here and it's been really cool to see the life of this scene have new breath breathed into it kind of like you were talking about it's interesting because like i feel like the scene the scene got oversaturated um in the late 2000s or so like uh, Fall Out Boy was kind of falling apart. Like, you know, it just wasn't getting the attention it had. And I feel like it took five or six years for um, the reality to kind of sit, kick in that a lot of these bands that you thought were going to be massive, boys like girls, um, that level of success, it's just nothing was lighting there. And it just, you kind of saw the collapse happening and no one really knew what it was other than just, oh, it's just, punk music and it kind of went away um it's not you know the most popular genre anymore which is fine but it's fun because it feels kind of hidden again yeah for sure 
Um, and there's definitely a community that has deep roots tied to it that continues to thrive, which is cool. Um, the other thing I think about a lot, and it's the thing that's been, I don't know, the most important thing for me in navigating these past 10 years is that it wasn't long. I mean, the discussions were already happening, but it wasn't long after we started that it became the biggest conversation, which is that, wow, this scene was kind of like built around these toxic white dudes playing guitars with angry songs. And maybe the scene wasn't so safe for women, for people of color, for the OGPTQ community. Like there was this kind of big moment that happened where it was like, we're going to have to reckon with this. And I remember we would talk so much with the things we were writing and the bands we were covering about how we were going to navigate those conversations. And even thinking about uh, Nadia, the first week that she wrote for us was the week that the Jesse Lacey news broke. And her first mm-hmm. piece was this big piece on what it meant as a brand new fan to have that happen. And how, where do we go forward from here? And like a lot of that, um, you know, I'd like to think that we, worked hard to try to have the right conversations about the right things um, in the midst of all of that. And still now uh, going forward. And it's been cool to watch the scene begin to open itself up to way more, uh, a way diverse, way more diverse set of voices than I feel like it had in the past. And it feels like the doors are now open in this scene to people that maybe wasn't really open to before. And that's been uh, really really fascinating to watch. Yeah, no, that's been uh, amazing. And it's even though that discussion has been happening for a while, it really feels like within the last three or four years, you've seen the difference. Like you can actually uh, find bands with different voices and there's something new there that isn't just, you know, the whiny, Oh, my girlfriend. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Um, Let's talk a little bit about some of the memorable albums or moments from the past 10 years that you tie back to It's All Dead because you remember what we were talking about with it. I mean, you mentioned The Greatest Generation. It felt like that first year uh, for us, it was all about The Wonder Years, The Greatest Generation, and Let Live, The Black is Beautiful are the two albums that kind of like jump out to me as kind of like early things that we latched onto and championed and talked about a lot. Um, What are some of the things over the past decade that still jumped to top of your mind um for me a big one was blink 22's california um mm-hmm. i feel like that was a one of those seminal albums that it felt like an event that you don't really get too often um and i remember like when it came out we recorded podcasts i wrote about it extensively like i could not stop talking about that stupid thing um Panic at the Disco uh, had a number of albums that each one that came out, it blew my mind how much I loved it. Um, and like, I, I just couldn't stop uh, playing them. I remember like being, I had just moved into a small shitty apartment in Chicago and just kind of glumming uh, a word <laughs> I made up to be sad. Um, and go for these long walks and just pick a direction and just walk for hours and just listen to uh, Panic at the Disco just, uh, you know, twirling in my head. Um, realizing that the Wonder Years kind of uh, marked my journey up here. The Greatest Generation came out, I think, two weeks before I moved to Chicago. And I put off 
really listening to it until the car ride up. Uh, and just those themes of leaving everything behind and uh, wanting to be remembered by the people you love and things, just carrying that ghost with you. Um, yeah. And even uh, during the pandemic, um, Newfound Glory, uh, I can't think of their ridiculous title right now, Infinity Plus Forever and Ever. The It's a whole thing. Um, may or <laughs> may not have gotten a copy of that a little early, uh, but like the pandemic at lockdown, everything, Chicago is a ghost city and just walking out in, um, you know, the cold of spring and just playing this album that gave me so much hope. Um, and thinking about just, this is what the world can be again. It can be happy. It can be fun. I can't wait for it. And just, um, feeling that pull me along down the sidewalk. Yeah, for sure. Um, newfound glory, uh, you've definitely covered them well um, during the the course of it's all dead. And um, the wonder years, I, I know we've said it before, but there's probably been more words written on our website and spoken on this podcast about that span than any other. I haven't done the math, but I'm guessing they, they probably land in the number one slot um, <laughs> under oath, maybe up there, but only because I've, <laughs> I've been carrying that one um, along for, for all of us. Um, but yeah, I think about like uh, Paramore as one. You know, they put out that mm-hmm. so it, this, that that's a band that went through, you know, multiple moments where it's like, are they done? Are they still here? What's going to happen? And seeing that band soar to the heights that they're at now of playing arena shows and uh, you know playing in front of some of the biggest crowds they've played in front of as a headliner and uh, what it's been like to watch that band grow and evolve has been really cool uh, over the past 10 years. Uh, Taking Back Sunday has been a a band that we've written and talked about a lot that's uh, gone through all kinds of, you know, stuff and they, you know, they just put out a new album uh, a week ago and uh, it's been fascinating to see their journey. And then, you know, outside of, the scene itself we've seen like Kendrick Lamar basically you know uh, our site started a year after Good Kid Mad City but then he had this run of three of the greatest albums of all time in a row that we that we covered uh, we covered uh, the the heights and very 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 low low lows of Kanye West um i feel like <laughs> both of us kind of like fell in love with Taylor Swift uh, over the past decade and in, in ways that were unexpected and seeing her yeah. career I mean, just explode in ways that I don't think either of us would have been able to predict uh, back in 2013. But yeah, it's one been... of my favorite memories is just before I left for Chicago, I had just started listening to Taylor Swift and being just that realization of like, oh no, I think I love her. Like, uh-huh. this is amazing music. And it's just, it's so not what I listened to that I was embarrassed to admit it. Um, and we had a discussion where I, you and a couple other people actively kind of laughed at me. And I was like, I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. And I came to Chicago. I was playing her music. My girlfriend roommates at the time were making fun of me for uh, being obsessed with her. And, uh, you know, I think within a year or two, you kind of finally caught on and um, met me halfway. And now she's the biggest personality in the world. Yeah. Well, the thing that I think was cool with that is like, I I remember, so it was 1989 was the album that won me over. And I wrote a really big piece, actually reread it a few months ago, um, about my journey with Taylor Swift up to the point of admitting like, yeah, she's incredible. And I love her. 
And it felt, so that was a year into It's All Dead's existence. And I felt like I was really putting myself out there because I was like, I don't know if the audience we're building is really going to resonate with this. And it did. And it felt like there was a collective, like people in our scene were also falling in love with Taylor Swift. And we've been able to talk about her a ton and not alienate the fans that also want to come to hear us talk about you know, the wonder years and bring me the horizon to whoever else. And I think that's been really cool. Yeah. It's been interesting because she's a weird bridge between genre, like starts off as a country artist, moves to pop, moves to folk, and then goes back to pop and um, has this weird admiration for the scene. Like she talks about how much she loves Fall Out Boy and Paramore. And uh, she, I think Haley Williams is one of her best friends. Like they, yep she has songs with all of them featuring on it. And uh, each time it's just, it puts another focus on our scene and something that she's continuously, um, you know, supported. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned Blink-182 and we would be remiss to not talk about the fact that that band just put out an album a couple weeks ago and Tom DeLonge is in the band, uh, which is something that neither of us could have predicted back in 2013. Um, I want to talk about it a little bit because it would it would be crazy for you and I to not talk about Blink-182 when they're putting out new music. <laughs> uh, you've listened to the album. I've listened to the album. Tell me what you think. It's it's amazing. Um, I it It's so weird because it somehow sounds very new, very fresh, and it feels like it's just been there this entire time. Um, you know, and it's just, it's Blink being Blink. There's nothing really shocking about it other than the fact that the title track is an acoustic piano ballad pretty much like um and it's one of their best songs ever uh, yeah it just it feels fun it it makes me so happy to see them enjoying themselves again and it also makes me angry because this is what neighborhood neighborhoods could have been yeah you know that's that's a really great point because i've struggled during all of this it's kind of like now that they're back together again, I'm like clinging tightly of like, please stay together. Please don't <laughs> grow up again. I don't know if anybody else feels those feelings for like, I don't know the guys in Blink-182, but I have strong emotional feelings about what I want their friendships to be in terms of lasting beyond just this moment. It, but I think you're pointing out a really great distinction that when this happened before and what came out of Neighborhoods, was not nearly as joyous of an experience. It wasn't an experience that was acknowledging the pain that they'd gone through. It wasn't really reckoning with the things that had happened and how they were going to move forward through them. And that's what this this time around, it feels like it's been all about that. Um, and maybe that just comes with time and getting older and growing and learning what's important. And certainly this band is, you know, the individuals in the band have been through so much. But yeah, maybe this time it does. It is okay to feel like it's for real because the conversations around it and the feeling around it is so much different than it was back in 2011. Yeah, no, when uh, Neighborhoods came out, like I remember how excited we were. And then you would listen to that album and it's, it's good. It still has really good uh, songs on it, but there is just something that felt off. Um, it, it didn't feel like they were having, they were enjoying themselves. It was more just like, well, we put an album. What are you going to do about it? Right. Um, and like, it, it was fine. I still listened to it, but I cherry pick th- 
through it more than uh, listening to it as a whole, where I do for everything else they put out. Um, yeah. And that's part of the reason why California meant so much to me, because when that came out, you know, Matt Skiba had taken over for Tom, but it felt like they were a weight had been lifted off of them. And there is mm. just so much energy behind it that was missing um, from neighborhoods. It, and it's just, there's something so fun about it that the spirit of Blink is behind it. And um, yeah. And I feel like one more time definitely has that same energy. So we kind of talked about this a little bit back when it was announced that Tom was rejoining the band. Um, feels like a long time ago now, even though it probably wasn't, but we talked about the Matt. Yeah. We talked (laughs) about the Matt Skiba thing and I'm wondering how we're going to make sense of the Matt Skiba era years from now, looking back on it. Cause you know, we're still so close to it that it feels like a pretty, it wasn't an, you know, it was two full album cycles. Um, And I think you and I were, two people that were very high on both California and nine to varying degrees, especially when a lot of people are like, I can't accept this, whatever this version of blink 182 is. I can't, I can't let myself give in to it being that band. Cause it's not, um, we were, we were probably on the more positive end of that spectrum of conversation around it. But what do you think? Like, let's say that blink 182 goes on, they continue making music. Tom stays in the band what'll it be like to look back on those two albums with Matt? Will it be like, well, that was weird. And I don't really listen to those albums or will it be something that you feel like we still kind of cling to and find special moments from what happened there? Uh, I feel like there'll be special moments behind it. Um, You know, I looked at some of their set lists from their concerts and it doesn't look like they're playing anything from it or maybe like one song that I'm forgetting, but it does feel like, that they're trying to kind of strike that from uh, their discography a little bit. And I can understand that just kind of, it's still, it still feels like a welcome back tour for Tom. Um, But I feel like that area is more special than a lot of people give it credit for. Like I have a lot of friends who flat out refuse to listen to it because Tom's not in the band. Um, But I feel like, those albums were necessary for uh, Mark and Travis to kind of get their mojo back. They took a lot of hits for a long time. Um, Tom left the band. Travis had his accident. Tom rejoined the band. They put out kind of an okay album. Tom leaves the band again. And it's just, it was just the cycle of up and down and up and down. And everyone just, it felt so exhausting to be a fan Um in California was the one, it was the first really, really positive to kind of come out of any of that. Uh, and it just, you could see that there was a confidence there that just felt like had been missing for so long since 2003 or so. Um, and it just, that spark was back. And I feel like that was needed to get them to the point where they could have the conversations they have now. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if this has crossed your mind, but I've, I've thought about it a lot from the first time I listened to the album, you know, back in 2003, 20 years ago, when the self-titled came out, that was, it was divisive in the moment. People have grown on that album over time in a way that I haven't seen people grow on an album. Like now it's like, everybody loves that album. Everybody loved it when it came out, when it came out, everybody did not love that album. It was, people felt weird about them experimenting and trying different things. Whereas now it's kind of accepted of how special that was. 
this reminds me of that album. It's almost like they felt the freedom to do and go in the direction that they were going back then. And people kind of love them for it now. I don't know if that's, if you've thought about it at all or compared those two albums in any way, but I've thought about it quite a bit. No. So what I think is interesting is yeah. When uh, the self-titled came out, I hated on it. Um, I listened to the first few tracks and then just felt exhausted. Like I, I didn't want to mm. hear experimentation. I wanted to hear Blink-182 and uh, I gave it shit for a long time. And I think, I think I finally rediscovered it in like 2006 ish, maybe like sitting on a college campus and just putting that in and just like, Oh, I get it now. Like it, it completely makes yeah. sense. Um, and it's just, it was such a drastic change uh, of a direction. It took time to uh, open people up. And so my, I have, it's almost impossible not to compare this or any album they have to the self-titled because it was such a leap. Um, what I think is really interesting though, is because of that direction change, Neighborhoods feels like the extension of the self-titled with all the bad aspects and going in the wrong direction. Yeah. Yeah. One more time feels like, okay, they went back, they revisited, kind of saw what they were trying to do with neighborhoods and they did it this time. Yeah, for sure. What are uh, some of your favorite songs from the new album so far? Um, Anthem part three, just because I always love the first song on everything. It just, that instant tone. Um, yeah. It's also nice to see, you know, the Anthem trilogy kind of cap off with some, some pretty positive attitudes. Um, yeah. Dance with me is a song I don't want to like, uh, but <laughs> I not stop singing it. Uh-huh. Uh, it's so dumb. It, it like it's basically first date with ole 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 thrown yes. in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and bad news is one of my favorites. Uh, I have always loved and preferred Mark as the singer over Tom. And uh, bad news is. One, it's a Mark song, but also it's interesting because it, uh, I'm pretty sure it's a song written about feelings towards Tom. And it's interesting to see him, uh, you know, be a part of it and finally really kind of have that reckoning with all of them together. Yeah, for sure. I'm with you. Anthem part three, that song is just so fucking good. Like it, it is, you couldn't start the album better. It's so good and it's i mean just the sound the production and mixing of it is just absolutely brilliant uh terrified great uh like more than you know uh turpentine is a song that surprised me on first listen and Mm -hmm. uh come back to it a lot it's a there's some like really classic blink moments on this album which is really it there's moments on this album where you're like oh yeah like and i don't even know how to put it into words but just the three of them you can feel something coming through the speakers or your headphones where you're like, yep, that's these three guys. And uh, that song yeah. makes me feel that way. No, there, it, there's a sincerity behind it. Um, like neighborhoods, uh, it felt, it felt a little forced. Like, you know, Tom is singing on it, but he sound, I don't know. It just, it felt distant in all the worst ways. And um, there's something here where it is, it's just it's dumb punk rock it's crappy punk rock again and i appreciate that and it it feels nice to see them um it 
it's almost as if they're reaching into every part of their discography. Uh, there's a lot of things that feel like Dude Ranch kind of popping their head in, which is, you know, not the direction the band's lean towards for a very long time. But um, it's just when you hear that sound, you're like, oh, yeah, this is this is the band that put that album out in like 97. Right. Yeah. hundred um, percent. And then, of course, you mentioned earlier the the title track. I The day that came out and I watched the video, I, I sent you a message and I was like, I wasn't expecting a new Blink-182 song to make me cry this morning, but <laughs> uh, it's such a cool, cool song. Um, if you haven't watched it, the Zane Lowe interview with the band that they did upon its release is really, really good. And they, they get into it. They, they get into the shit of like, <laughs> we hated each other and here's why. And here's why it's going to work now. Um, and I really loved how open they were with all of it. I mean, where do, where does Blink go from here uh, for you? I mean, obviously they've got a, a big tour next year coming through Indianapolis, which I'm really excited about. Um, do you see more new music in the future? Is this something that you feel like has staying power? What, what happens next? Um, so one, Tom gets kicked out again, but they get back <laughs> together in about three years. Um, I, it seems like they're really enjoying themselves. They're having a great time. Like the magic behind the band is there again. Um, you know, one more time is a big release. It's, uh, it's an event again. It's one of those few albums that like really mean something. And, um, I genuinely think there'll be something, another album sooner than we expect. Interesting. Well, it'll be exciting to see. And, uh, It'll be exciting to see if it's all dead is still here when a new album from Blink comes along. We've made it 10 years. Um, you know, this has been fun, Kyle, to just kind of like shoot the shit and talk about, you know, what we've seen and, and what we've felt over this past decade. And I just want to say thank you for being so giving with your time and your talents over that time span. Uh, I don't know how many times I've made you talk about Blink-182 with me, but <laughs> uh, we had to had to get another one in there. But it's been it's been awesome and I'm, I'm grateful for uh, what it's meant for, for us and you know, the people that have been polite enough to follow along. So thank you, Kyle. Thank you for uh, letting me be a part of it and stutter my way to a conclusion. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we've gotten a lot better at podcasting than we were back in the day. I haven't gone back and listened to those early ones in a long time. Uh, Oh, no. see how it went but uh we were using much less sophisticated equipment and uh preparing a lot less for those conversations yeah. how to talk to each other over a, a computer screen but um yeah it's it's been a fun journey so um if you haven't come to visit us in a while come check us out at it's all thank you for listening to the podcast uh we've got more to come nadia is going to be back on the pod uh coming up next so we'll be excited for that and uh yeah it's hard to believe it but we're also getting ready to start thinking about end of the year lists it's already november it's time to start talking about the albums we love the most kyle is grimacing uh but we're we're gonna we're gonna make it through so thank you for joining i'm kyle hawk we'll catch you next time thanks for listening to long live the music if you like our show come find us on twitter and facebook at it's all dead and of course come visit our website it's all dead.com.